You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Welcome to another episode of the Driving Law Podcast. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law Corporation. And with me, we're super lucky to have one of my friends from the DUI Defense Lawyers Association, one of the funniest and smartest DUI lawyers I know, Mark Thiessen. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me, Kyla. I I don't think I'm anywhere near the, the smartest or funniest. We got some great people in DUI DLA. We do. Um, you practice in both Colorado and in Houston, right? Yes, primarily in uh, Houston, but we just opened an office in, in April in Aspen. Perfect. Okay. So um, I wanted you on the podcast because on your Instagram account, which Teeson Law Firm, for people who want to go, uh, go follow it, you posted a reel yesterday about why not taking the breath test is bad and old advice. And I thought that was very interesting because I recently posted a TikTok where I was talking about why it's bad advice to not take a breath test here. Here it's a criminal offense to refuse. So the consequences are worse if you don't take the test than if you take it. But um, I've always understood for people in the US that they have the right to refuse. And it's a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, honestly, there's, there's a lawyer, he's a friend of mine, but he's been, he made a market out of do not blow.com since like 2000 and he's spread billboards and everything. And that's what it is. And, you know, for 20 years, people have been doing it, but honestly, for the past seven years, when we have these, these mandatory blood draws, it's just, it's just outdated advice. So I needed to get out uh, why this is old, outdated advice, especially in Houston. Okay, so you said mandatory blood draws. So explain that for my listeners who probably do not know what, what mandatory blood draw is. Okay, so it starts with when you get a driver's license in Texas, no matter where you are in Texas, right? When you sign your driver's license, that creates a contract between you and the state of Texas. One of the laws underneath your driver's license says that you impliedly consent to give a sample of your breath or blood. So say you're in an accident, right? And you're knocked out and you go to the hospital and you can't talk or anything. You're completely knocked out. You've already impliedly consented to give a sample of your blood. So they don't need a warrant or anything. They can draw your blood with you knocked out uh, because you implied consent. I mean, it's hard to force you to breathe. They can't like push on your chest and make you breathe, you know, but they can draw your blood. So that's where it starts, right? And about, mm, about 10 years ago, they started because everybody was not taking a breath test and they're like, well, you know, how do we, they just keep refusing. How do we get it out of them? So kind of like a, uh, a knock and talk, right? It's, and that's exactly what it is. They go get a warrant to knock on the vein of your door, break down the vein and take the blood out of your vein with a warrant. Just like you have drugs in your house. I have reason to believe you have drugs in the house. I go get a warrant for the judge. I tell them why I think you have warrant, you know, why you have drugs in the house. I get to knock on your door. And if you don't let me in, I'm still coming in because I've got a warrant because I have all this, this information on why you have drugs in there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That seems to be likely contrary to the whole US like, don't mess with my shit idea. 100%. 100%. 
100%. Because think about, so you can knock in my house and go through my underwear drawer, right? That's probably the most sensitive thing in you know, a person's closet, my underwear drawer, right? Think about the shit that you have in your blood. You can tell whether I have diabetes, cancer, uh, what kind of drugs I'm on, what kind of medication, what my pre, I mean, look at the genetic makeup, all the DNA you can, you can test. And there's so much information in blood. It's so sensitive. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you impliedly consent to them taking your, your breath or your blood, but right. you can't be charged if you refuse. No, it's not a crime here to refuse in Colorado. It's worse and so I'll just keep it with Texas, right? I won't get, because every state's different, you know. Um, some states do have where it is a crime to refuse, but shit, I mean, you're already driving while, allegedly driving while intoxicated. That's a crime. Do you really care if you get another crime of refusing? No. I mean, I'd take two of those and let's, let's go fight them both, you know, and then maybe they get you, they find you not guilty of the DUI or the DWI as we have it in Texas, but what you get convicted of refusing a breath test. I think I'd take that all day long. Okay. So, right? yeah, well, I guess, I mean, if it's not a, if it's not a criminal offense, um, in the same way, I mean, you'd never get to Canada again if you refused the breath test and it was a crime, but yeah, I mean, it might make sense under Texas law. What do you, what do you guys have in Canada? Like if you refuse in Canada, how bad's the crime? Uh, it's a mandatory minimum $2,000 fine when you're driving prohibition criminal record. What about the DUI? How bad's the DUI? $1,000 fine when you're driving prohibition criminal record. So almost the same? Yeah, I mean, hearing or, yeah, it's twice as much for the fine. Um, the 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 benefit of not refusing to blow is if you get charged with impaired driving and then over eighty, like you blow uh -huh. limit, you can only be convicted of one of those. Whereas uh -huh. if, you, if you refuse, you can be convicted of refusal and impaired driving. So it's a bigger risk because you end up with two convictions, three thousand and five. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, then blow. And so what? So you don't get that criminal charge of blowing. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to take on a breath test, which is a hunk of junk, you know? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's definitely more defenses if you blow. So you gave five reasons in your video. Yes. Why that advice? What are those five reasons? So, so here, here's kind of my five. And I go, cause all right, I'll break it down. So if you refuse, it says in the language, we're allowed to use that refusal as evidence of your intoxication in a trial. Like, hey, he refused. He knew he was drunk. That's why he refused, right? So don't refuse. Wow. Second, a breath test can only test for alcohol, right? So if you're on drugs or if you're on weed or you're on Molly or you're on Oxycontin or you're on Xanax or anything, take the breath test. Don't let them get your blood. They can't test your breath for drugs, right? Number three, uh, I think juries trust blood a lot more than they do trust breath because they're always like, how the hell did the alcohol get in the breath? What? What's the partition ratio? What is all the, they're like, how the hell did the alcohol get in the breath? You know, so they really, you know, CSI, I think juries really do uh, test or trust blood tests more than they do breath. Four, uh, there are some counties around here, like Montgomery County, which is very strict. They say, if you refuse, if you refuse to blow, you're not getting into our pretrial intervention program, even if it's a first. And I'm like, dude, the guy's a cancer survivor. Like I've had this and I'm like, he's a great guy. He needs this, his whole, you know, uh, his, his job's on the line, which he could lose his health benefits. His wife has cancer, all this stuff. And like, he refused to blow. And I'm like, he's following this guy's stupid advice from 2000, you know, like let him into this program. And they're like, nope, he refused to blow. So I'm like, 
Dude, there are counties that are like, if you refuse, we're not letting any of these programs. And then number five, in Houston, it takes, and in, in honestly, most counties, it takes about four to five months to get your blood test back, right? And so I have to wait four or five months to get your blood test back before I can apply for these special programs for first offenders, right? But if you take the breath test, I know the first day of court, I'm like, great, you're under a 0.15, let's go apply for PTI. I can get you in and get you dismissed within six months. It'll take me another two months. You know, within eight months, I can get your case dismissed if you blow versus I'm waiting around for five months for your blood to come back. And then I got to go for the two months of processing and then six months, you know, that's what, 13 months versus eight months. And it's like, no, just blow it, you know? And the breath test is a hunk of junk. Like we can beat the breath test easier. What instrument do you use for the breath test? We use the Intox 5000 for years and now we're in the Intox 9000, okay. which still has the same problems, you know? Yep. All right. Do your prosecutors tend to feel more empowered um, to prosecute when it is a blood case? Oh yeah, they used to have this, they used to have this slogan, if it bleeds, it pleads. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, if it bleeds, it pleads. And like nobody was meeting blood tests until we all started going to Axion and DYDLA seminars and learning about blood testing and you know, it's just like any other science, it has its problems, but they all think, oh, we got blood, we got blood. And I'm like, you got a whole lot of pitfalls with blood. There's a lot of chain of custody. There's a lot of issues with blood in, in itself, but they definitely think if it, and put it this way, say somebody goes out and kills somebody, right? They got an intox manslaughter. The DAs, the police don't even ask for breath. They go straight for the blood. They, they want your blood. They ask for your blood. If you refuse, they go get a warrant for your blood. So there, there's your answer. Even the police and the DAs trust blood more because they don't even ask for a breath when it's a real serious case. Now, in those circumstances where it's an implied consent blood sample that's taken from you, um, what, sort of, what challenges can you bring to the admissibility of the sample? I mean, just on it coming in, um, first, did you, well, I mean, it's just like any other warrant. Did you, first, if do you consent to the blood? You know, like he's passed out. I mean, the case law is pretty bad against us down here in Texas. If you're passed out, you've implied consent, they can draw your blood. But we're having, a, we have this whole progeny of cases, McNeely and everything that says, because it's so easy to get a warrant, like you can, you can do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can fax it. The judge doesn't have to be here. It takes 15 minutes to get a warrant, right? It's so easy to get a warrant that there's no reason why you shouldn't go get a warrant state. So it's called exigent circumstances. Like think about it, like the police can't just break down your door without there. The police can break down your door only in two reasons. Like you consent. Yeah. Come on in my house. Or they knock, they start hearing a bunch of flushing. They're like, holy shit, he's destroying all the drugs. You know, like we have to kick down the door because there's an exigent circumstance that he's destroying all the evidence. Well, the, the Supreme Court here in Texas and the Court of Criminal Appeals has said, yeah, your body's metabolizing alcohol and it's slowly destroying the evidence, but it's not enough. You can really just go kick down the door. So there are very few, if you're awake, there are very few, if not impossible, why, why they just get to mandatorily draw your blood against your consent without a warrant. So really they should get 
a warrant. And most cops, like, I mean, because think about it, if you're knocked out in a crash, you, somebody's probably seriously hurt and they're going to do it right. You know, they may draw your blood right away without a warrant through the nurse. Then they're going to go and get another warrant and they're, they're going to go get a warrant and draw it a second time. So many times in my case, I have three blood tests, you know, like they draw it right away with, and I'll be like, Hey, I'm going to suppress that one. There's no exigent circumstance. You guys clearly got a warrant. They're like, that's fine. You know, but the problem is then the expert gets to look at certain things and then they go get a warrant. They still, you know, they can still go get your blood. So we got to, right. there's so many different challenges. So you could actually end up having three properly admissible blood samples that all agree with each other as far as the readings. And that probably looks pretty damn reliable. Yeah. What's, what sucks is like, say that, say they do the first one and if an attorney, you know, I mean, we can try and suppress it. As I always tell people, I'm like, you can have the best suppression in the world. You can have the best argument, the best law, but who's your judge. And then if they rule against you, you know, then you have to lose the trial, which I try not to do. And then you'd have to go appeal it. You know, it's like so many times, like, all right, the judge's like, no, the blood's coming in. And I'm like, well, fuck, you're an idiot. You know, like there's a big appellate issue, but then I'm still going through it and I win the case. And I'm like, damn it. You know, like I can't even teach this judge a lesson and teach him how wrong that that was, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, sometimes you'll say like midnight, they come out with a 0.24, no warrant. Then two hours later, it's a 0.20. And you're like, shit, that's exactly what it should have been. And then the guy wakes up and is like, sure. You to go a little bit. Sorry. Oh, can you hear me you now? Are. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Oh, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, I, I had lost you at wakes up at 2 a.m. Oh, yeah. So like say or like, yeah, wakes up and then it's a point one eight and it's or point one six. And it's like this goes shows the elimination through the hours through all these blood tests. So it's not like you can say, oh, that one test is just so fucked up and wrong. It's like, no, we got three that's actually showing proper elimination. OK, so the, the moral of the story is in Texas, you don't want to refuse. Um, yeah, take it. Who cares? Take it. You know, they're going to get it anyway. They're going to get your blood anyway. It will. And I would say this in most big counties like Austin, Dallas, Montgomery, Houston, like most big cities, they're going to get your blood 24 seven. And I would say 85 mm, percent of Texas, they're going to get your blood 24 seven. But if you're in some like podunk little town, you know, where it's just you in the jail, you and the, you and the sheriff in the jail, don't take it. He's never going <laughs> to He's never going to go get a warrant. You never know. Who, who draws the blood? Um, so in Texas, you have qualified technician. Uh, they just allowed EMTs, nurses. But here's the kicker. If some cop can show like training, like he used to be an EMT, because this qualified technician, it, they, have, they have a whole like phlebotomist, doctor, nurse, something you know something else and then qualified technician you're like there is no definition of qualified technician you're like who the hell's it? and so they can prove them up and so it's like shit could the cop draw it if he had the right training i guess theoretically he could but then you have to have a sanitary place and it can't you know it couldn't be on the side of the road they they did it where like on the a desk in a firehouse wasn't sanitary so you know you have to have the right person sanitary place that kind of stuff okay all right here it has to be a, a qualified technician as well. Um, and they've authorized police to be trained to be qualified technicians, but the police don't want to do it because they're 
afraid of liability issues. I'm so sure. It's only done by doctors, nurses, and, and hospital employees. Can you imagine a cop like all hopped up after chasing you or getting this case and everything like his adrenaline's going, he's nervous, all this stuff, then putting a needle in your arm? Oh my God, no. <laughs> I, I, I barely want the nurse to do it, you know? That'd be the situation where I'd be like, maybe it's better to do the refusal. <laughs> right? Right? Hi. Can they get your blood there? Uh, they can. Here, the only way that they can get your blood is if they cannot obtain breath samples as a result of your, like, usually your physical condition or, or impracticability. So if uh -huh. it was impracticable to obtain breath samples, um, and the officer is satisfied that the medical condition of the person would not be endangered by taking blood, then they can uh. make demand for blood and they don't have to get a warrant. They can just demand it. Um, wow. Or if within three hours after a person has driven, um, they come to that opinion, they can also get a warrant to take the blood for like patients where people are unconscious. That's why I'm like, no, don't even give them the chance to take the breath test. You know, because isn't weed legal in Canada now? Yep. Yep. Weed's legal. Yeah, so here. they can't test weed on the breath test. They cannot. So, you know, how many people have a couple beers and smoke a ton of dope and they're messed up, you know, but it's like, oh, hey, I'm a 0.06 or I'm a 0.08 on the breath test, you know, and that's because you got a lot of weed in your system, but they'll never know that. Yeah. And you'd be surprised, like, well, you wouldn't be surprised, but people would be surprised how often officers are wrong. Like when they do the DRE, the first step, as you know, is to take a breath test. And I've had yep. cases where somebody was about to do the DRE. They took the breath test and they blew 220, like 0. 0.22. Wow. <laughs> so wow. how did you not know they were drunk? <laughs> right. Or, or what about when they, or, or the other way, and they're like, oh, I smell a strong odor of alcoholic beverage, and they blow like a 0.06 or a 60, right? And you're like, bullshit, you didn't smell a strong odor. You know, like where they sit, because they won't write it in the report, they'll say it on the video to their cop buddy, I smell a strong odor. And then they get down, and I'm like, he's not even intoxicated, you liar. Yeah. Do you process yeah. it at 0.06? No, no, we don't. We only have 0 .0, 0.08 or 80 is our limit. Um, there's some states that are going to 0.05 or 50, but that that's not coming down to Texas. No. Have you seen the newest thing? I mean, on our listserv that's coming out where they're going to have all these cars that uh, have to show that the person's sober in order to drive. Yeah. The, the cars with passive alcohol sensors, which, which I'm like, well, how the hell is that going to happen? It, how is it going to distinguish between the driver and passengers when you're designated driving your drunk friends home? How's it going to, how's it going to designate between the people that smoke a bunch of weed and take Xanax and drive, right? And those people, you know, a lot of the people that are on drugs, I think are a lot more dangerous on the roads. Like more, right? of, more of my drug cases arise out of accidents than alcohol. Yeah, I agree. Or I heard that they're going to do a, the passive alcohol is not going to be a breath, that it's going to be um, a steering wheel that you have to hold on to. But I'm like, why don't you just wear gloves? Yeah, if it's like you one know? of those, like kind of like, oh, what's that called? That thing that they use for alcohol monitoring where people were putting pieces of ham in between it and their skin. Oh, uh, the scram device? Yeah. No way, That's that works? Uh, I, I'm, I'm told that it does. I don't, I've never tried I've it. never heard that one. 
learn something new every day. I got lots of clients on the Scram device. Well, there you go. You can get them to test the ham theory for you. <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I mean, wear gloves or like, what if you use hand sanitizer or it right? like hand lotions and hand creams and products that have small amounts of ethanol? Is that going to set it off? Yeah. This is what if you had, what's that, a uh, flambe or you had bananas foster or something for dessert and you walk out to your car, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, cook, and there's so much, what if you're wearing cologne in there? I mean, and it's not. Well, what about, so what if you're sober? What if you're a 0.06 and you're my grandma who gets fucked up off one drink, you know? It's like, so she's still allowed to drive and she's just all over the, you know? This is age-based discrimination on impaired laws. <laughs> there you go, right? We're gonna sue on behalf of the elderly. What's, what's the, the I forget what their uh, initials are for the, uh, the AARP. I'm gonna sue yeah. that they can't. And, and it's like, well, we're going to, the car will be able to tell whether they're driving intoxicated. I'm like, or they're drowsy or they're driving or they're just fucking old. Right. Mm -hmm. Like my yep. grandpa can't step on the, the gas pedal consistently, you know, or he couldn't, you know, I'm like, it was like, mm, mm, like swerving <laughs> all over the place. And he was completely sober. Okay. Do you think it's going to, do you think that's going to get taken out of the infrastructure bill? I can't see that. I think it has to be. Well, they're looking at a, a trillion dollars to develop this in the next like five years. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like we're, there's always going to be a way around it. Like un unless you make drinking and then driving illegal, which yeah. nobody's going to do that, then it's yeah. impossible to do. And then even in, the way around it is you're going to get drugs and medication and there's no magic number for drugs or medication, as we all know. And I think, you know, I, from what I've been seeing on like the opposition to it, a lot of Americans who are otherwise like pro DUI enforcement are like, I don't want the government in my car measuring what I'm doing all the time. And they're, they're convinced that this data is going to be consistently sent to the government so that the government can track them about what they're doing in their cars. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm already kind of eked out about Alexa in my house and, uh, you know, what do we have? Um, what do I have in my car? I have the, uh, not North Star, but I have, you know, you'll be in an accident and all of a sudden your car starts talking to you going, just remain calm. Help is on the way. And I'm like, don't fucking call the police. Like I've had people, uh, what's it called? Not North Star, OnStar system. OnStar and like Cadillac, Mercedes, all kinds of these different cars down here. My client's like, I didn't fucking call the police. My OnStar called the police on me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, screw OnStar. They're the ones who ratted you out, you know, like whatever happened to, Hey, can I give you a couple hundred bucks or here's my name and number? I'll call you tomorrow. We'll take care of this. You know, I had some serious satellite radio call police. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I don't need any more big brother. That's why we're going to start buying all these cars from the seventies. Like get some retro cars without all these computers. Yeah. I've, uh, I want to go back to CDs <laughs> and AM radio. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can just drink and drive all you want. Yeah, uh, but, I, but you know, um, if I do, I'll take the breath test. <laughs> yeah, 100%. If I ever got, I mean, well, I'll tell you the truth. I, I got it expunged, so it doesn't exist out there anymore. But I was in law school and I was, I was hung over. I was hung over as hell coming back from Willie Nelson's 4th of July picnic down here in Kerrville. And I'd been drinking all day in the hot sun and everybody was hammered. And I'd already stopped drinking because I was just, I was done. And I was driving my buddy's Suburban 
through Kerrville. And I, of course I smelled like alcohol. I'd been drinking and sweating it out all day, but I was just hung over. I felt like shit. And I didn't get pulled over for speeding, weaving, nothing. He had a grate on the back of his, on the back of his suburban with a cooler on it outside. Right. So no beers in the car cooler. The, the trooper pulled me over for blocking the license plate. Couldn't read my license plate. So pulled me over. I'm having an anxiety attack. This was July 5th. I was taking the bar exam July 30th that month, right? So I'm supposed to be studying. And he's like, and I'm doing all the tests and I'm having a full-on anxiety attack. My hands are numb. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so nervous. Taking all these tests and it finally gets to it. And he's like, do you want to take the breath test? And I followed that stupid advice back in 2000. I mean, it was great advice back in 2000. I said, no, I've always heard not to take the breath test. Right. And he's like, well, I'm going to arrest you because I'm using that as evidence of your guilt. And so he arrested me. I spent the night in jail. I'm like, fuck, I'm supposed to be studying for the bar. What am I doing here in jail? My friends bailed me out. We drove back to Houston. I had to like compartmentalize for the next 30 days. I ended up getting the case dismissed um, because it was actually a crooked trooper who wasn't turning in marijuana. But I think we would. So it got dismissed on like the second setting. But that is how I got my start in DWI. Not only am I an attorney and satisfied client, you know, uh, but I, I know what my clients are going through. And I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like I, I took all your tests. I'm following the, the advice to do not blow. Had I gone down and blow, I probably would have blown under, you know, and then hopefully you would have let me go. But here's another question. Here's another thing that I bring up. The first thing I asked to any cop in every single DWI cross the first, you know, prosecutor, whatever the government goes first and they go, your witness, Mr. Thiessen, I don't say hi. I don't say nothing. Good morning. I say, let me ask you a question. If Mr. Smith would have taken the breath test and blown zeros, would you have let him go home? Mm-hmm. Right? Cause it's a double-edged sword. If they say, yeah, well then you didn't see any loss of mental or physical faculties, right? You knew that he wasn't intoxicated. If they say no, it looks just ridiculous. And they should say no, because they'll say, you know, a real wise uh, cop will say, no, I wasn't going to let him go because I think he was impaired. That would have been the first step of a DRE. I would have moved into the drugs, you know, but then I'd go into, you didn't see it. He didn't admit any drugs. There was no paraphernalia. This is how ridiculous this is, you know? So I don't know if you refuse, are they really, or even if you blow under, are they going to let you go? They should. So I've only had to try one point under 0.08 case in my entire life. And that's because they found him wrecked out on the side of a freeway. Him, both him and his girlfriend were passed out in the car. And by the time they got it, they had no idea like when he'd wrecked or how long he'd been there, just that they were both passed out wrecked on the side of the freeway. And he blew a 0.06, like at like six in the morning. Right. Yeah. And so I had to get him on the stand and talk about how much he ate and everything and that he was eliminating that for sure. They were just tired and were in a food coma. And that's why they wrecked. <laughs> Jury found him not guilty. That's a great defense. I believe that. That was, that was my first question in Vordire. I was like, let's get it out there. You go out, you drink, they ask you for a sample of your breath, you blow and you blow under 0.08. You go home or you go to jail. Everybody's like, you go home, you go home, you go to trial or you get dismissed. You get a dismiss. It's under 0.08. Okay. You know? <laughs> I was like, all right, State. I'll take the first six. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. This has been a wonderful chat. Uh, it's my honor. You're, you're fantastic. I'm a big fan of you and Paul's. Aww. How can people reach you if they need a lawyer in Texas? Honestly, I'll give you my cell phone. 832 654 
832-654-3058. Just call me on my cell, 832-654-3058. Wonderful. And if you need uh, contact information otherwise for Mark, you can reach out to us at VancouverCriminalLaw.com or find us online um, and any of the social media platforms or give us a call 604-685-8889 and tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law.